have a massively good handle on your personal finances and know exactly how much your business needs to generate for you to support the life you want. Okay, so that, that serves two functions. First off, it means that you're still able to live the life you want on a personal basis. And the second piece is from a business perspective, it lets you know, or you have a handle on when is enough enough? Because sometimes we fall into the trap as entrepreneurs that we just keep going and going and going and pushing and pushing. Well, when we need to know when the number is, what the number is in the business that supports our personal life so that everything beyond that is optional. Join us in Mixing Business with Pleasure, a podcast about loving your work and working with your love. Your hosts, Mike and Gabby, are entrepreneurs who have found their passion in both their personal and professional relationship. The pair who swore never to work with each other are now working happily together side by side in love, life, and business. Tune in each week as we feature co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. We love talking to couplepreneurs who have built successful businesses. And one of the keys to a successful business is effective marketing. Luckily, Gabby and I run a B2B digital marketing agency called Proofpoint Marketing. Our team specializes in driving profitable revenue for technology and manufacturing companies by diving deep into customer insights. We really strive to understand the customer. We build out the ideal customer profile and personas. And using that, we create highly targeted demand generation and performance marketing campaigns. We are offering a free consultation for our listeners. This isn't just a sales call, and it isn't us simply giving you a canned automated audit report. We are going to do our due diligence prior to the call. The plan is to talk about real marketing issues your organization is facing and discuss potential solutions. Head on over to proofpoint.marketing and get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, Wendy and Kelsey, welcome to Mixing Business with Pleasure. Oh, so happy to be here. Thank you so much. It's great. Well, we're excited to talk to you guys about your relationship, your business, and most importantly, all about wealth. Because let's face it, money is a difficult question for a lot of couples and individuals as well to talk about. Um, and, and so we want to dig into that. But before we do, we have a question for you. Since work and love are both four-letter words, we would like to know what are your favorite four-letter words? All that are safe to be said out loud on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> um, hmm. So for four liver words. It's sure. not snow. <laughs> it's not rain. Warm. I like warm. Time. The answer oh, to me is time. Nice one. That's always something you guys and us are equal in, or people who I always say is time. It's how you choose to spend it. So for me, that's my four, favorite four letter word. Beat that. That's a good one. I can't beat that one. Yes. I'm going to just jump on one. that bandwagon. <laughs> We're not competitive either, so. <laughs> Cash is a four-letter word. It's kind of similar to money. <laughs> Wendy likes that word a lot, too. Okay, good. And good. I'm also going to say game. Game. Tell us why. I think that if we look at things as, as a game or as, as life as a game or something, I think it takes some of that uh, pressure off to be so perfect. I like that. And that a lot of strategy, when you think about it, strategy is like a game trying to figure out where to go next and how to do it. So I love that. I love that. I love your answers. We, we could totally talk about game theory then if we want to dig into <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm not formally trained. <laughs> Neither I'm are not we. Either. I just found the topic fascinating. But we'll 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 talk about we'll talk about financial stuff first. And then if we have time, we can always circle back. <laughs> awesome. 
All right, next question is, what came first, business or love? Love came first. I was in this business or just starting my business when I met Kelsey, but he did not join for, I'd say, four to five years later. So definitely love first and then love of me to so he could help and support me in the business. <laughs> and you, you had mentioned in, in one of the, the documents that you sent us that the story of Kelsey joining you in your business is a really good one. So let's start with that. Well, for me, it was, uh, I was doing well in a business to business sales job and it kind of got into the lifestyle entrepreneur of it of, it's not hard. I can just put the inputs in and I was watching Wendy and she was putting a lot of inputs in and a lot of time. And, uh, I used to say, sweetie, you know, you, you work a lot and you know, you're making decent money, but how do you, and you know, this many people, you know, this many people. So how do you, how do we expand this? And what I didn't realize for every hour she meets with someone, there's almost four hours of paperwork. So I, I, qu I quit my job and I said, I'll join you for one year and see what happens. And we doubled our revenue. And then I said, I'll stick around for another year. And we doubled again, kept, kept going, kept going. And now we're almost, almost a decade here. Yeah. Well, I love the line. He said, I don't know how you made that much <laughs> when you look at the paperwork you have to do. That's crazy. <laughs> so it was clearly, it, it was sort of, um, an idea like, well, we're going to try this. We're not sure, you know, we're, we're going to sort of test the waters, but it ended up being a tremendous boon for both of you and oh, for your business. Yeah. Well, I said, when I came in, I said, I'll do it for one year, but I said, if our relationship butts heads at all, I'm out because it's not worth it. Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. So that's where we began a decade ago and that's where we're now. I will say that there was a, I think a, something we did very early on that helped us tremendously. And we had one of those, for lack of a better word, assessment. a personality assessment type of a tool done. And uh, then we had a little bit of coaching around it. And as a result, we knew how each of us thought and how quickly we thought and all those types of things and how independent we were versus socialized and all that stuff. So we were able to get some questions, you know, when Wendy says this, Kelsey, da da da, and Kel Wendy, when Kelsey says this, he, you move on. Okay. So, so it was one of those, it really, really helped right from the get-go to, to do that little assessment, to have those things that you may not completely know about yourself highlighted and then taught how to talk, how to, how to communicate through them. That is a brilliant strategy that I want to make sure we underscore for our audience here. Do you guys remember the, the name of the assessment that you took? Profiles XT was the first one we did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or actually, you know, yeah. separately before, before Wendy and before Kelsey, we had both done uh, Myers-Briggs and we're both ENTJs. So if anybody <laughs> oh, knows <wow>. about that. <laughs> I think, I, I think I'm one of those as well. So. Oh no, oh, I'm not so. that. Okay. No, I, uh, so I don't remember what I am. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Three field marshals. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one we did was the Colby. And the Colby and. Yeah. So we have all those done over time. And we, and anybody that's worked with us goes through the same stuff because we just have to have a common language because again it's all about our time maximizing time and our energy and having the same flow and communication and knowing that hey if you want anything out of me it's the morning if you wanted to do this at six o'clock tonight neither one of us would say yes because we don't have the that's not the best that's time not our us. best performing time do you, you guys have your clients do the personality some of our bigger programs, yes, but from the day-to-day -day clients, no, but everyone who does becomes a partner at any level or an employee at any level. We do uh, some sort of assessment so that we understand, oh, they need a lot of information to make a decision. Okay, so now I can adjust my style to them so make sure that they get what they need to perform.
I think that is absolutely brilliant. It's a beautiful strategy, not only for business, but also for love. And most yeah. importantly, when you work with your love. And, and I, I have to say, Mike and I also took the Colby test. Nice. And it is a brilliant one, especially because it's so unique about how you, how you make decisions, which mm. is something that, quite frankly, I don't think anyone has ever taught. You, know, you, you don't learn that in a school or, or you know, anywhere. It's just something that you have to sort of pick up on. And if, you, you know, if you're not as in tune or you're not as self-aware, this is a brilliant test to help couples, um, especially couples in business, yeah. learn how their partner makes decisions, which is often very different. You know, it, it can be very different. That's where Wendy and I were laughing earlier because we were trying to use an assessment. You use the word test. You can fail a test. You can't fail who you are. So that's why we're in the minutia. But that's the language that these things brought to us because, hey, I need you to, you're going to come work with us in this role. I need you to do a test. I need you to do assessment. And this is the reason why. So it's uh, those little minutia of the language and the communication is... And it helped us a lot too. So it was interesting. We had, we had this period of time where we kept hiring the same type of person and didn't even realize it until um, we had done the profile and someone got let go. And then we got, we did someone else and we flipped it off to the person we chatted with and they go, Oh, this is the exact same as the other person. You're like, I didn't even realize that. And as a result, we were like, okay, this is where our hole is in terms of how we talk to people and what we are attracted to may not be good for the role. So were you hiring people that were very much like you? Uh, they were, they were very high in social and they were also low on the detaily stuff. So as a result, when we would try to ask the probing questions and they had, they had such good, fast verbal answers that you, we couldn't uncover the fact that that actually wasn't a strength of theirs. Yeah. Wendy always says if both of us are yes men, one of us is redundant. That's a good one. Yeah. We might steal that from you. Well, and clearly we need to reassess our assessment because we're using the wrong terminology. So thank you for pointing that. Wrong. <laughs> no, but but it's, it's a good distinction and it's something that you brought up that I, I very much agree with you. It's not a test, it's your personality. And at the end of the day, there are some personalities that work very well together and others that don't. And it's not- Absolutely. Save you a lot of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the kind of thing is because we always put it, here's the roadmap of us. So this is who, how, if you can't work with this style, this is not going to work. No matter how good you are. You no, know. this is not a money thing. This is not an energy. Like it's a, this is just not going to work. And it's. Yeah. What was interesting is that the guy we worked with on the coaching on the profile side, he said, there's four fits that you need to have to be successful in any type of occupation. And it's fit with the job, fit with your manager fit with the team and then fit with the organization. So if any one of those are missing, that's when dissatisfaction happens and then you lose productivity and performance and all those things. So uh, having being just even aware of that is helpful. Those are excellent, excellent points. I'm very glad we dove into that right away because this is super valuable, especially to our listeners out there that are building a business, growing their wealth, managing their time, these are things that are very, very valuable. And oftentimes you don't learn them anywhere. You sort of have to stumble upon them, learn them the hard way. Right. Yeah. And, and as we have learned, and probably mo as most other entrepreneurs, that the, the, the people problems, if you will, or the people issues are generally the, the ones that take up the most time and the ones that kind of can set you back the furthest as a business owner. So that's, that's perfect. I had a, a coach that once said to me, a business coach, she says, you have PhD. 
post hiring disorder. <laughs> Cause I went through a period. I'm like, I can't hire anyone anymore. <laughs> I love we've, that. We've, That's we've, we have PA, we had PhD too for a yes. while. <laughs> well, Wendy, I love that you have such a bold and audacious goal, auda sorry, audacious goal of changing, I quote, 1 million lives. Tell us how you're getting there. Mm -hmm. And share a little bit about your proprietary program, or I'm not sure if it's a software or tool about called the One Number Solution. Tell us a little bit about those two things. Okay, now we can get going. I'll, I'll <laughs> talk for the next hour. No. <laughs> so if you've read Good to Great, you know, he talks about the big, hairy, audacious goal, and that's where that came from. And I actually struggled for years to come up with that particular uh, goal for, you know, with Kelsey and I and the organization and that type of stuff, because, you know, with the, the mantra of you should only have a 60% chance that you're going to make it. Otherwise it's not big enough, all those pieces. And it's 20 years out, all those things. So it was great to, to finally come land on something that we could look up to and use as our true North, if you will. And how we do that through the one number solution is we help people take the stress and anxiety out of money. So from a 30,000 foot view on that piece, how I look at it is this, is when we know that four out of 10 uh, mental health issues have a root in money. If we know that 25% of productivity in organizations or 25% of payroll is lost due to productivity, due to money issues, like there's all kinds of things that this kind of trickles out into. And so if we can reduce that, if we can take it and take it and put it in half or even down to 25% of that. So they're still working on it, but they're not stressed about it. They're not anxious. Well, think of all the energy that can now be directed towards their business, towards their family, towards their community. And that's how we can make the world a better place is by taking that stress and anxiety out of money. And so that's where the one number solution came in because it just simplifies everything, gives people a blueprint on how to operate so that they can live a life for today and plan for a life for tomorrow. And I think that's where we're missing in a lot of the traditional, more so uh, financial planning softwares is like, okay, what do you want tomorrow to be? But it doesn't address the hows and it doesn't address how do I have a life today as well as plan for tomorrow. So that's where the one number came in and it looks at four distinct things on the personal side. And that is your spending, your debt reduction plan for your unwanted debt, building a safety net, which is so critical as self-employed individuals, because we just don't have the same safety net if we were, you know, working for someone else and had a great big plan or a government or whoever, and then also saving for the future. And when you look at the safety net and saving for the future, I think of it as a combo because I think we need to look at uh, three distinct areas. We have to look at our short-term savings, our medium-term savings, and our long-term savings. And so I think the crossover for, for safety net and, long, and uh, saving for the future is your short-term because your short-term stuff becomes your emergency net or your safety net and your emergency fund for things that happen uh, that can shock your financial life. And there's so, like, I think that in this era of COVID, we're seeing the importance of having had that address and it's become less of an academic exercise and more of a, I need to do something about this today and figure out how can I do that. Well, and part of that too, I'm guessing is getting out of that, you know, scarcity mindset, right? If you don't have that safety net, you're always thinking like, oh my God, what if this happens? You're not really able to kind of take bigger risks and even think about the bigger, the, the future and the bigger risks, right? Because you're just thinking about, 
holy crap, what am I going to do tomorrow, right? I mean, they've done all these yeah. studies on, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, is it sugarcane farmers? Or I can't remember what it was. The, the study was that they, they get paid kind of all at once after the harvest is done. And oh. right afterwards, they're wealthy. So they, you know, they score better on like the different kind of uh, like IQ assessments and, you know, things like that. And then all of a sudden, like further mm. on down the year, when they're down to pretty much nothing, they're living day by day. All their all these things kind of fall off. So I, I think that I'm guessing that carries over into that. Absolutely. Well, I'm thinking also about happiness or just even your energy levels, right? So we have this case study that we talk about all the time, and it was a couple who were making really good money. And they basically idea of financial success was that they had a little bit of room on their uh, line of credit. And we, we put them through the one number, and within one year, they had actually changed uh, their net worth by $185,000. And the, all that was was just re-harnessing how they were doing things and changing a few tweaks and getting a mindset shift so they were able to achieve that. But what's fascinating is watching them when they came in and how, you know, you could just feel the heaviness, right? And then when they come in at the end of the year, they're happy, they're like, and it was just an unbelievable shift in just of how they're looking at the world. And so you're right, Mike, I mean, they're gonna have a better approach to everything when they don't have that anxiety and that stress on their minds. One question, I don't know if it's a question, but, you know, something that I'd like to dive into is, you know, for a lot of people, and I'm going to put myself in this category, I have, I have wonderful, amazing parents whom I love and adore and who are a big part of my life. But one of the things that I don't know that I got a ton of tactical and practical learnings from them was around building wealth and wealth management and and even something as basic and simple as balancing a ca- a checkbook which i know nobody does that anymore <laughs> these days but you know a lot of people at a certain age in their lives you know tw- let's say mid 20s to mid 40s get to a point where they're like oh man i, I got to figure out my money situation i got to figure out how i'm doing things you know, you sort of have this epiphany of holy crap, where's my money going? And, and how am I going to make more of it? And how am I going to grow what I have? And a lot of people enter into that phase of their life feeling pretty ignorant, feeling pretty lost, scared, maybe frustrated that they didn't know this stuff. Mm. You know, tell us a little bit about how you, you know, if you've experienced that with your clients, how you take them through that. And one other question that I have, it may not apply, maybe it's a myth, but is there a difference between men and women when it comes to, you know, balancing and, and, and spending and and managing their money? Hmm. Okay. I got lots to dig into there with that. So let's talk about the first part about when you come, when you start realizing that you should think about your money. So what I, what I like to ask people to do is first off, take all the pressure off of, of where you are now, because at some level you are where you are. Right. And I think of an S.E. Hinton novel (laughs) that was that was then this is now. And if we spend too much time in the then that energy isn't going to help you when you're now. So we have to kind of go, this is let's let's start. This is where we were. This is our start position. And let's not worry about how that happened unless there's lessons to be taken from it and take all the societal pressure, all your pressure, all your family pressure off of yourself and say, this is where I'm at and it's okay. And now that I know where I want to go and I'm going to work with people to figure out how I'm going to get there, now is the time to go, here's what I have to do. And Because sometimes people come in 
and they're just they're, they're so worried about what they did and where they should be. And I'm actually writing an article right now about the most dangerous word, word for entrepreneurs is should. <laughs> and, and, and taking some of those pressures off because it's not serving anybody. And the other interesting thing is, and it feels like it's common for you guys, I know it's here in Canada, is that, listen, we're just not taught this stuff in school. Yes. We really are not. So why should you know it? And then when we think about our upbringing, and that's uh, if you've read my uh, money conversation guide for couples, I have people delve into some of those things because whether anyone actually said anything to you about money, Gabby, they were teaching you about money in terms of how they treated it. Was it an important thing? Was it bad if you had it? You know, oh, rich people are bad. You should do this, whatever. You know, all those messages that you pick up subconsciously through activities that you observe when you're young, they're affecting you now. And sometimes that's, you know, all oh, debt is bad. It's very, very bad. Don't have any debt. Well, that can be partially good and partially bad. So I guess I want people to look at both sides of all those messaging coins and figure out what is still serving you and how can you focus on that piece as opposed to, um, you know, give, saying er, er, carte blanche, this is still true because it may not be true for you anymore. Excellent points. And I'd love to, if you can send us a link to that couple's guide, we'd love to, to link it up on our site. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, you specifically work with couples. So tell us a little bit about what are some of the pitfalls that couples, and especially if you have experience with couples that are entrepreneurs that work together, what are some of the pitfalls that they fall into or maybe blind spots that they have when managing money and trying to build wealth? So I'll use my analogy and then I'm going to get, uh, and then we'll have Kelsey tell about his journey on the money side too. So, cause he's not, he, he's, he's licensed, but he doesn't do all the day-to-day -day stuff sometimes with the clients. So I talk about a, a bus analogy and I ask couples a lot of times who's driving the bus and then who, where are you on the bus? There's somebody usually driving the money bus and they're full throttle. And then I find out, I try and find out how far back in the bus is the other person and how great is the view because they've kind of delegated everything off to the other partner who's the bus driver and they have no desire, typically, typically no desire to actually understand or do anything. No, you got that. You got that. And so what I suggest to people along the way is like, okay, it's not bad. It's just numbers and it's just money. So let's take all the emotion out of it. And let's just decide, focus on over a period of time, moving your seat up so that at some point uh, that you're, you're feeling confident enough that you can actually take over driving the bus if you had to. That is such good advice. And I was chuckling because that analogy really resonates, I think, with Mike and I in that he's very much the bus driver. Yeah. And I'm very much a passenger. And, uh, you know, and I think that has a lot to do with my inexperience around around this particular topic you know i i joke and i say in jest that you know the the best thing that i know when it comes to money is 50 percent off if it's on sale you know bam i'm good with that i i'm great with the bargain and a sale but that's that's the wrong mentality and i realize that and that is something that i think a lot of couples especially couples in business that have to split their time you know manage their their time and manage their you know responsibilities it, it tends to fall on one person yeah. and you know in your experience wendy and kelsey not you you know you are not only 
helping other couples, but how do you manage this between yourselves? Excellent. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, the same. You're not alone. <laughs> that was me. I'm really, really good with numbers. Like I understand, like extremely strong in math, and so I just I did the cash flow one for years with us. Of is there money in the bank account? These are the bills going out. Great, but that kills you in the long run because you can't plan, you can't do, and you're just living in this small little window. And you're not measuring and what's well, it? It's that you're just looking at one number that's really not reflective. So for me, it was I'm fairly intelligent, I think, but I'm so scared to ask these questions because I should know this. Similar mm -hmm. to what you're saying, Gabby, is like, why don't I know what this is or what that is? And then, you know, and in the industry for a couple of years, first couple of years, you know, I'm doing tasks and stuff that I really don't, you know, doing it compliant, doing it correct. But it's what is this overarching peer, um, overarching, where is this going? How does it all uh, feed into each other? And I just never really cared to understand it all. And then when you know, I sat down, she's like, I said, okay, we want to accomplish this or that. She's like, well, we need to know these things. And then I was like, oh, so the weekly, monthly numbers are important because of this. Because all I cared was, can we pay the bills? Isn't that what this is all about? But then we left the strategy piece on, off the table, because we didn't know what to do. And Wendy made a very safe environment, uh, non-judgmental. And we always say your SRC, your self-reference criteria. So if you think it, you know, a $50,000 boat's outrageous, well, this person just bought a $50 million boat. And it's again, it's where they add. So if you go into it really non-judgmentally, and I also say, you know, don't be an ostrich because, you know, sticking the head in the sand and it's, it's where you're at. If you're 10 pounds overweight and you want to go lose 10 pounds, you just got to admit that. If you don't know anything about money and whatnot there's a lot of stuff out there there's a lot of crap out there too but it's you gotta feel safe and wendy's did that for me and also you know i, I shared with her uh, right off the bat i met her on january 18th and on valentine's day i said hey this is how much debt i have i really like you but if this is going to be a problem and i think that's where couples screw up it's like wow. getting married and not talking do you want kids or not and all of a sudden what do you mean you don't want kids but it's the same thing with money and if we just open it up and have an honest conversation really easy to say but if both people if it's a really strong relationship and you have communication this is just another thing and you don't give it the energy to make it this great yeah. big crazy thing because it's really not i think that's the key too is that if you think about where money is, think about where mental health conversations were even five years ago, right? And now it's a little, you know, it's moving its way into the mainstream so that having these conversations around mental health are acceptable. We need to do the same with money. And if that was a crusade of my, if that was a crusade, I'm on that crusade. So when I think of couples and money, and I think of all the emotion about, and there, there's unconscious judgment sometimes. Why did you buy that? And, 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 and judging. And it's interesting is that if there were any kind of gender things I see, I see men buying really big things, but less often women buying small things. And, but they add up to the same, but all like, it's the perception of, of how that spend is or how it goes. And also, it's okay to have different values of what's important to you. I see sometimes couples, one wants to travel, one wants to upgrade the house. It's about coming up with a plan that satisfies both those needs to some degree, knowing that you're gonna to have to compromise and maybe, you know, you only do a big trip every two years and, instead of every year, that type of stuff. So I think it's important to, to have those conversations around money. And understand the repercussions that if you do both, because you, <laughs> you may have a lot of credit, you, you, know, you may have the credit to do it, you know, 
be an adult and realize that, hey, when you charge that extra trip and you need X, Y, and Z later on, maybe should have made it a little, thought about a little more? Well, and that's one of the reasons I wrote that guide was to get that uh, conversation started. So it's like five steps to that guide to, to help people through it. And the last step is actually, hey, here's a suggested ideas for having a regular conversation around money. Because the more you talk about it, the more you take the power away from the money and put it back on yourselves. And you're taking some of that emotion out of it and it becomes just matter of fact because you're talking about it more. Right. So, you know, the elephant in the corner needs to come out and have fun. So I'd love to, I'd love to dig into this a little bit more. I mean, I kind of touched on the fact that, you know, especially in, I think, Western culture, finances and money are, are very personal, right? And people are, you know, nobody talks about salary and nobody talks about, like, it's all like, very like, it's almost more private than your, you know, political views and your oh, whatever absolutely. else, right? So I'd love for you to talk through an example, if you could, in your personal life, sort of how have you addressed that and like almost maybe walk through an example of, hey, how have you compromised on something like where you had different views or you know, give people an, an idea of how it's actually done and what process you use to sort of put that plan in place. Right. I guess it, it again, first off, it's having that fulsome conversation about what your goals are. Uh, in terms of where you see that what's important to you. So that until those are both out on the table in the sense of, oh, Kelsey, you want a boat and Wendy just wants to, you know, go to the Mayan Riviera. How does that differ, right? So- I could take you on my boat. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. <laughs> uh, someone else had to be the squirrel, Gabby. Somebody else had to be the squirrel. Well, my, my mic was on mute. We typically are on mute when our guests are yeah. talking so we can minimize any feedback. And I was just going to say, well, Kelsey can take you on the boat and we will be happy to join you as your shipmates. <laughs> well, and I think that's where the compromise is. Oh, well, maybe instead of buying a boat, we can join a boat club where you can do rentals and that's a less expensive alternative. And then we only go to the Mayan Riviera once a year instead of twice a year. So again, explore options, remove assumptions about what a boat means or how that works and you know pull that on the table you, you know i've been in conversations with people where you know some one of the one of the couple wanted to do very much upgrades to the home and so okay well here here's the plan here's much if we did a plan like this where there's money for this travel and there's money for this what could you do every year with that money and then just kind of laying it out so they can see the vision of what they could achieve and over what period of time and then having those discussions and then, oh yeah, I could do the trips I want in that number. So it again, it's laying it all on the table, having a discussion. And I guess, you know, Mike, you said it is be willing to compromise and realizing that, you know, sometimes happiness is getting some of something as opposed to all of it. One question, <clears throat> excuse me. One thing that I'd love to dive into is, and we've we you guys have shared with us so many valuable lessons and tips around money and conversations with your spouse. And I love the fact that Kelsey, you you said right off the bat, "Hey, I really like you, and here's my debt." I think that's tremendous, and and it's something that probably a lot of couples that are in a very serious relationship, like they know where they're headed, it's something that they should talk about because. I remember when Mike and I started dating, you know, he's an only child. I have two younger siblings and I had a lot of student loans 
and he did not, you know, his parents were in a position to be able to pay for his school outright. And for me, I had to take a lot of loans and, and scholarships and FAFSA and all that stuff. And, you know, when I knew we were getting serious, I, I was embarrassed by that debt because Mike had this, you know, squeaky clean record. And I was also, you know, and I, I, admittedly, I'm still the one in the relationship that struggles with money and so on and so forth. So I think that everything that we've talked about is going to be so valuable to our audience. One of the things that I would love to dive into is more around your business, you know, and as entrepreneurs and as couplepreneurs, one of the things that you mentioned, Wendy, is that you initially didn't build the business to fit your life and that you had become a slave to your business, which I think often happens to entrepreneurs, especially very early on in the business is that, you know, you're just... You, you almost feel like, well, what's the point? Why am I doing this? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that particular point in, in, your, in your business journey, in your entrepreneurial journey, and how you were able to turn it around. Yeah, it's one of those things that when I'm talking to uh, clients or that they're brand new into the business, I'm always passing that piece along to them. And the other thing I talk about too with new clients, and we're getting better at this, is boundaries around um, the business and when do you work? Because it's quite easy to work all the time because any day can be a work day, right? And so when we start realizing those pieces, uh, it's helpful. I mean, we did some coaching together. We did strategic coach at a Toronto and I think they have a, a Chicago and LA and all this stuff, but it's just, it's all for entrepreneurs. And I, I went the first day and I went, oh my gosh, they're in my head. And then I made Kelsey come and join from there on in because we wanted the common language around that coaching. But what, how, well, the, the, free, supposed, the free bu and the buffer day. Yeah, well, initially it was supposed to be, uh, we were gonna, we said you go, cause it was, was a bunch of money at the time, still is a bunch of money. You have to invest in yourself too. So she went and said, okay, I'll wait a year. You go get a year. And if it's really good. And she literally called me that day. And it was like, this was September. She was like, you're in the class in December. I'm like, we just scraped enough money to get you to go to that one. How are we going to figure like, but okay, if I need to go, I'll go. And that was instrumental. And that, that to have the common language sit there. It's Saturday, tomorrow's Saturday. It's a free day defined as 24 hours midnight to midnight zero business your clients calling the you don't look at your email you don't look at anything you just totally totally unplug and that's the thing being on the same page is i'll see something i'm like oh my god this would be really really good for mike and she'd be like are we on a free day or like and vice versa because it's like oh i saw this and it's it's like okay and if it's really really important you're not even supposed to write it down it'll come back to you if it's that good of an idea and having those free days and then also knowing that, okay, what's today? Okay, it's a focus day, which is money generating day. And then a buffer day is more of a admin day getting ready. So then it's like, oh, it's a min day. Well, I can go and talk to Wendy a bunch of different times. Oh, it's a focus day. Unless the place is on fire and she hasn't figured out how to get out yet, don't talk to her. <laughs> and having those boundaries and it's hard because you want to, for me, I want to talk to my spouse. I want to spend yeah, time and it's like you know you're like the little puppy like hey 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 can, can, can you come <laughs> play like uh, and you know we're also you know we've shared an office and don't have an you know and now we're fairly separate parts in the same place uh and i think that's good too because it allows yeah. me who's the person that has the less attention that okay good i'm in my office and focused i can leave wendy alone because uh learning over time that 
oh, I can't understand. It's like, oh, it takes her time to reset and come back in, even though I only need her for that 30 seconds. That's always an issue because it's like my 30 seconds throws her off for 15 minutes. And then you start understanding those kind of things and the triple down uh, effects. And the other thing is that we, as much as possible, we're, we're not 100%. We're not 100% any of this, you guys. Not a, it's always a journey to learn and be better, right? So, but one of the other things that we try and do is as much as, what are you responsible for? And what are you responsible for? And then we also have what we call meeting rhythms. So that, you know, every day we meet with the whole team at 9 a.m. Once, once a week on Mondays, we meet a little longer and talk about different things. Once a month, we talk about what were the results for the month and da 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 da, da and quarterly, and then a strategic session at least once a year. So we have these meeting rhythms that allow us to have those times to work on the business and not just in the business, which I think is so critical and it can get lost and muddled right so yeah we're we're very much in the that last piece where we have fridays that are technically booked for uh you know working on the business stuff like it's not there's no client meetings there's we'll meet with the team but then that's about it then we'll, we'll obviously we report record podcasts in the morning but the rest of the time is working on on, on the business and mondays are kind of similar like that too so that's what you say it's, it's progress not perfection right so i mean at the end of the day it's yeah, you know what, the wheels fell off it, but you know what, did you get an 80% day? Like, again, like we beat ourselves up for this ideal and it's like, go touch the horizon. It doesn't exist. So it's like, stop trying to, you know, you're an ENTJ, Mike, too. So you know exactly what I speak of. And, you know, like in having two of us uh, that are that pro, uh, that profile, that assessment, that thought process is really, you know, more difficult because you really have to, because both of us want to get it and fix it. So again, it's communication is the biggest, biggest thing for that. Letting go of perfectionism has been marvelous. And one of the things we learned as strategic coach was he called it the 80-20 rule. Just to get the first 80% done. Don't worry about getting it to 100. Because really, unless you're a surgeon, do you need it to be 100? <laughs> so, and, and that helps a lot. And amazingly, how much stuff, when you don't say it has to be perfect the first time you do it, then you go back and you revisit and you're like, this is pretty darn good. I almost nailed it. And then you do a few tweaks and you're done versus procrastination because you can't think about getting it perfect. You're trying so hard to get it perfect, right? And that's it. You, know, you just got to get it out there every once in a while and nothing's going to be perfect. And you know, someone's going to be you know, an idiot and say stupid stuff because they have nothing better to do. Perfect. You've deselected yourself out of my life. I choose not to receive your gift and let's go talk to someone else. So, I mean, I think that's the part of it that everybody's just sitting there going, what will people think? You know what? Not knowing, again, don't be an ostrich. TM. <laughs> so um, that's the most important things for us. Just just do something. Take I, action. I think I, and in terms of communication, I, I had a jotted down this and I don't know if I highlighted it anywhere, but Kelsey brought into our relationship a rule that we follow to this day that is a game changer in so many respects. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about, Kelsey? Oh, I'm pretty sure. Okay, go, tell them. 24 hour rule. So Gabby and I are doing something and uh, she says something inappropriate. And is so it- So like Gabby. That's oh, definitely Gabby. <laughs> so for me, then it's like, is this the best time to talk about this right now in reactionary? Probably not. So you have 24 hours to bring it up or one business day if it's a Friday, but you have 24 hours to bring it up because in 90, high 90% of chance, you're gonna let stuff go. 
But if there is a tete-a-tete, -tete, it's just, again, it comes down to communication. We need to talk about this because I don't want to be at the photocopier in two weeks from now and Gabby blow up at me or me blow up at Gabby because something she said, and it's like, listen, we don't have time for the drama and the BS, but if it's really important to you, Bring it up in 24 hours because I don't need you to lord that over me for Bring decades. Bring a week later, yeah. Because I had a buddy and it, it showed up and it was a decade. His spouse was yelling at him, don't, don't do this. I was like, hey, I would have went and played darts with you. He goes, that was a decade ago. I was and like, she was still yelling at him I was like, it. someone's going to let that go. And that's where it came. I was like, now you got 24 hours, bring it up or move on and how that helped me is, is this i'm sorry wendy this rule is both personal and business yep. okay that's and what I was ask. it is uh saved for me because my usual mode is i'm going to wait for the right time to have that conversation and i'm going to wait until i could wait weeks for that be the right time for that conversation <laughs> i know somebody that does that <laughs> and so by having a new rule i am forced to deal with it immediately so that it, and then it takes some of that power away, right? And then if you did do something that you're like, I shouldn't have done that, and you crack the 24 hours, you don't have to walk on eggshells. And that's again, this is my SRC, my self-reference criteria, because that's what it did for me is like, oh my God, you know, I didn't do that correctly. And am I going to get called out on it? Deservingly so, but Nope, she let it go after 24 hours and I don't have to ever waste any more time or energy on that and waiting for that hammer to drop. Um, and I, in the business is perfect too. I have one, one follow-up question, but I love that rule and I think it's so valuable both for business and work. It can apply to employees, it can apply to manage subordinate and also husband, wife or partners. Mm -hmm. Is there a minimum, minimal acceptable time that, 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 that your partner or whoever the person is can call you out? Meaning, you know, something just happened. Is there a minimal acceptable- 24 hour clock, No, no, zero. no, that's, no. A, that's not that, that's the maximum time. She's talking about, do I have I'm to saying, wait an hour to deal with it? No, no, it's just saying it's a 24 hour clock. It starts from whenever- whenever the, whenever the incident occurs, you have 24 hours yeah. to, but, but is there like a, a minimal time? Like, should I wait five minutes? Should I wait 10 minutes? Should I wait an hour? Oh, yeah, no, I understand, I understand the question. For me, it's that, and I think it gets into, do you have high verbal reasoning, low verbal reasoning? There's a bunch of other factors there. Okay. Generally, I start with the one is, is there any malice or ill intent to this question or anything? So, and if it is at that point and something's nefarious, then maybe I would want, being an ENTJ, I'm going to put my plan together before I, I speak. But 90% of the time, what's going to come out of my mouth in that exact moment will probably be the same that if I had a thought about it for 24 hours. So for me, is minimum time is generally a lot lower than Wendy. And knowing that when she says, I need to think about that or whatnot, giving her that space, because I'm like, well, why can't you? It's just like, does it go here or there? I need to know. I need to know right now. Not her. So it's I would space. say that in terms of, say, if it happened with a group of people, you're not dealing with it in front of a group of people. You're not, you know what I mean? If there was uh, any intoxicants involved, that will not be dealt while the intoxicants are still in play. So that type of thing, right? Definitely. I think, I think this was, this is a, it's a very good rule for, I think, anybody to implement. Uh, I want to take a, a, I want to take a quick step back to something, Kelsey, that you said when the two of you did the coaching, you said, you know, investing in yourself is important. And one of the things I want to ask you about is, you know, something, that, a piece of advice that Gabby and I both got very early on in our entrepreneurial journey is, you know, sometimes you have, as business owners, you have to take a step out and think of business as an investment. 
and think of it as your investor in the business. And that's a, that's a really hard thing to do. So I'm wondering, can you talk about that? Is that something that you advise couples as well? And if so, how can couples kind of take that investor perspective? Yeah, there, I think there's a couple ways, but one of them is even having a set of almost guiding principles that you can then measure, is this still true? Like, does this still give us a good work income? Does this still foster our growth as people and as a couple? You know, I think you can come up with some guiding principles and then measure on a regular basis annually, biannually to make sure that that is still true. Well, it's, again, it's that comes out of that common goal. Like I look at our, our business as a, as a child, you know, it was a baby and it's growing. And if you look at it in the same kind of, but it still needs to be fed and watered. So then it's like, now the child has morphed into a little bit of a dog because it's always dependent on you. You can't grow up and become an engineer and kick money back. So it's, it's the dependency but you also have to pay attention. You have to give it the health checkups you, in your business. You have to treat it all like that. And for me, again, it was not knowing numbers. And I wasn't even in the same bus terminal as Wendy because I just trusted her. So I was <laughs> like, you're not going to steer me wrong because I, I have the blind faith, but it's not, it's, it's not kosher. Like for me, that's, it's, that's not well, it smart. Well, doesn't, it doesn't give you it or didn't give you the same seat at the table from a perception perspective because well, you wouldn't understand I'm suggesting this and then you'd have to spend all that time giving them background as opposed to we're both on the same page from the numbers and oh yeah that makes sense or it doesn't right and so. that, that definitely uh, slowed us down a bunch of times for me not knowing that and more coming from ego of you know I've done a bunch of education bunch of businesses and I, sh I should know it but I was too scared to ask for help and put my hand up and go hey, I, I don't get it, but I was smart enough just to fluff through it. And then all of a sudden I need to make some more decisions and, and really understand the numbers. I'm like, I really don't know anything. And it's like, but I could, I, I could definitely manage a checkbook though. I could balance one of those. Because I just wouldn't write any. Right. Who uses checks these, <laughs> these days anymore? I think the only time that I use a check is to pay our, our cleaning lady because, you know, that's, it's a cash business. Well, Wendy and Kelsey, thank you guys so much for being part of the show. We have learned so much from this conversation and I know that our audience is also going to take uh, away so many valuable pieces of less, uh, lessons and, and pieces of advice. As we start to wrap up, we have a couple of questions that we'd like to end the show with. And then we also want to make sure that you tell our audience where they can reach you, where they can find you. And we'd also love to get, you know, a link to that, that couple's guide. So we Absolutely. On our website. One quick question that we have is um, we typically ask, what advice would you offer other spouses looking to start a business together? However, because you guys are in such a, such a, a powerful business of, of guiding couples and business owners around wealth, we're going to change that question up a little bit today. So if a husband and wife team or a, a spouse team, partners, life partners, love partners, as we call them, is just starting a business together, what's the first thing they should do from a financial standpoint to put themselves on a path of success? I have two answers for that. The first one is before they leave all their jobs, get every piece of credit they can because they're not getting any more now for two years. <laughs> so whatever they need to do there. And the second piece is have a massively good handle on your personal finances and know exactly how much your business needs to generate for you to support the life you want. 
Okay, so that, that serves two functions. First off, it means that you're still able to live the life you want on a personal basis. And the second piece is from a business perspective, it lets you know, or you have a handle on when is enough enough? Because sometimes we fall into the trap as entrepreneurs that we just keep going and going and going and pushing and pushing. Well, when we need to know when the number is, what the number is in the business that supports our personal life so that everything beyond that is optional. Those are my two pieces of advice. Excellent. That's the kind of work we do with clients all the time, helping them figure out those numbers. That is excellent. Next question is, what is the next big project that you guys are working on together, either personally or professionally? Wow. Okay. I think we should talk. Um, we have three projects that we have, <laughs> that we have kind of going, which one, which one should we do first? I, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but, but to be fair, we used to have like 15 on the go too. And, that's, and those, those are the kind of things like pet projects and stuff. So I think it's an excellent question because it's also distilling it down of, you can't do everything because you get 80% mm. of this done, 85, and you let everybody down. So just go pick a couple things and just do them really well and fail fast if it's not going to, and then yeah. call it a day and move on to something else against your energy. So, well, one of the things that I'm working on that I'm ho that we're hoping to, to launch uh, first of next year is a whole program on shockproofing your finances. Because when we look at what happened in COVID, like we said, you know, a lot of people realized that, wow, I wasn't shockproofed enough on my financial picture. So how can we do it? But that's, there's other things that shock our finances completely. And that could be a divorce. It could be a death in the family. It could be sickness in a child. It could be all kind or your parents needing more to love and attention, et cetera. So how do you put a system in place and manage that so that you can make sure that you've mitigated all those risks as much as possible so that your finances are shockproof? That is an amazing uh, project to be working on, especially now because it's very timely and you're right. There are, you know, it doesn't take a world pandemic to shock your, your finances. And, and we learned that firsthand. We, we started our business out of a family crisis and we went from a, a dual income to a single income after the birth of our daughter, she was born at 24 weeks. Mm. So we, we ourselves lived through a big shock to our financial systems. And that's what, uh, what pushed us to start a business. So I look forward to that. And maybe we can have you guys back on the show to talk about that program or that, that platform that you're creating. One last question. And this is something that you will answer about the other person. Seven. What? Oh. <laughs> uh, good guess. Okay. What is the one thing or quality that each of you bring to your business and to your lives? that you couldn't do without? Go first. You go ahead. Tenacity. That's the perseverance side of it too. For me, it's that being a female-led company inside a not female industry. <laughs> and I think that's the, you know, the perseverance of just to be able to go through it with a smile and go, you know what, we can just keep going. So for me, it's some of the days where I'm like, why, why are we doing this or you no know, vice versa? But it's that to see Wendy and it's like, Oh, 
okay, we just got to keep, we got to just keep going one foot in front of the other because we can control the inputs and that's all we can control. I can pick up the phone and call 10 times. I can't guarantee someone's going to be on the other line, but I can sit there and go, I made my 10 calls and all of a sudden it's 50 calls a week, 250. So if you pick up the phone, like that's the kind of stuff. So for Wendy, it's like, okay, just, it's nice. For Kelsey, I think it's the massive level of support that I get from him that it's hard to measure because I see it in others, other couples that don't have it. And I'm like, oh, I feel so bad for you guys that you don't have, like, you don't have that level of support, you know pre-COVID, it'd be things like, oh, I'm supposed to go to this networking event. And you know, Kelsey's like, yeah, well, you gotta go, get going. Versus, no, and we should stay home. Then why do you always have to go out? Why do you have to not, you know, look at, you know, that kind of demands versus understanding it's, a, it's all big picture. And just even, you know, when new staff come on, what you real you have to realize is that Wendy needs to be looked after. Wendy needs to be looked after. Her needs need to be met. Da 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 da, you know that kind of stuff. I wouldn't say that, but he will say that for me. So that's wonderful. I also say there are stupid questions. It's the ones you've asked me before. There's lots of pens and paper. But, but I mean, for me, it's 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 like write write it down, and that's the thing is for Wendy. So yeah, it's perfect. Guys, thank you so much. It's evident to see that you are not only such wonderful business partners, but you are also a tremendous love, loving partners. And um, what you've said of each other is, is very telling of your relationship. So thank you guys so much for being part of the show. This has been such an educational and eye-opening episode for us. And we'd love to have you guys on another segment of Mixing Business with Pleasure. Tell us where can our listeners find you if they want to reach out to you? Easy peasy. Blackstarwealth.com is our website. And that's probably your best place. We're on LinkedIn, Wendy Brookhouse and uh, Kelsey McCauley. And we will definitely send uh, the link to the conversation guide, which takes you to our website too. Fantastic. Thank you guys. And have a wonderful rest of your day and we look forward to speaking with you again soon sounds thank wonderful you. thank you guys well that was a fascinating conversation we love talking to couplepreneurs who have built successful businesses and one of the keys to a successful business is effective marketing luckily gabby and i run a b2b digital marketing agency called proofpoint marketing our team specializes in driving profitable revenue for technology and manufacturing companies by diving deep into customer insights we really strive to understand the customer build out the ideal customer profile and personas. And using that, we create highly targeted demand generation and performance marketing campaigns. We are offering a free consultation for our listeners. This isn't just a sales call, and it isn't us simply giving you a canned automated audit report. We are going to do our due diligence prior to the call. The plan is to talk about real marketing issues your organization is facing and discuss potential solutions. Head on over to proofpoint.marketing and get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mixing Business with Pleasure. We hope you'll join us next week as we feature another pair of co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.